0: around us work so intricately together that it seems impossible to have achieved this level of complexity randomly. Welcome to Reasonable Faith. My name is Jillian Brown, and I will be guiding in our conversations as we talk about the necessary existence of God. This idea is called irreducible complexity and helps prove the argument from design, I talked to my friend Emily, an environmental science major, to ask if she knew an example of
1: this concept. In the organic world, there's a lot of um there's a lot of design and you can see it through just how like you were saying complicated it is and even removing one little bit of that creature's history or one little bit of that creature's physiology it's going to completely change how the animal works any adaptations that it has to its environment are going to look totally different they're going to operate completely differently there's a muscle and it's like a little clam it lives in these riverbeds and its method of catch its method of spreading its children basically is it when it opens up it has a little muscular appendage that's shaped like the like a minnow and if you look at the picture of it it looks exactly like a little minnow so when a bigger fish comes along and tries to eat the minnow it will actually like send its babies into the fish's mouth like it basically shoots them into its mouth and they clamp on on the fish's gills and live off of like a bass or something like that it'll live off of its blood supply and just survive off the nutrients in the blood supply but like if that muscle wasn't exactly the way it was then it wouldn't survive and i mean how would it have learned to do that like change its entire bodily structure in order to do that but that that that's always the one that sticks out in my mind as like, there's no, there's no way, like, there's obviously been changes, but like, there's no way that it could come from nothing, like come from just, well, there's an explosion. Where did the explosion come from? Nothing. There's, there's no way that nothing can cause something. Mm-hmm. It's just not how it works.
0: After this conversation, Emily referred me to her
2: biology professor, Dr. Chriswell, to help me explore this concept more. Like when we start to look at things in the cell, something being that tiny, having that much machinery, like all the organelles that make up a uh, cellular system, they're all doing different processes. And you could start to classify that like a machine, even general level biology classes wind up saying stuff like, We call the mitochondria the powerhouse, or we call the Golgi apparatus the post office because they operate like things that we see operating in the uh, visible world. To think about the cells having little tiny machines that are doing all this work, um, and it's super complex. I think more complex than even the original scientists that started seeing cells understood at the time, and we are continuously learning about stuff um, and how complex these tiny little pieces are that make up the whole cell and then we have millions of cells billions of cells that make up a human so irreducible complexity is um looking at the fact that there was kind of this arrangement that was happening um, it was like a nine plus two arrangement um, and it consistently seeing this pattern showing up um, and that you couldn't get any like less complex. It had to be in this structure or this way so that you couldn't reduce past that. It is so complex that it's hard to wrap your mind around how this could have just sprung out of thin air. Um, that something has to have some type of design or this idea of, um, Yeah, A designer, not necessarily meaning solely God, but there had to be some type of influencing factor that was leading to us seeing this kind of pattern or ability um, of some of these smaller things to occur. There's no way that something without just randomness could come up with this kind of design. So they use the cells a lot. Um, I know in arguments that uh, typically where you see this coming up, where there's arguments of faith versus science, um, this typically shows up like with the watchmaker um, theme, where you have a watch that is made of all these unique parts, and then somehow you just, by random chance, had the watch come together and it started perfectly functioning that way. Um, And so that's used quite frequently in arguments where you're talking about evolution versus um, creation. Uh, That was one that gets thrown out quite a bit. And we use the term irreducible complexity to kind of reaffirm that there's the odds of a watch potentially coming together on its own is minuscule. That would not happen up underneath it any circumstance. I think everything When you use, use irreducible complexity in that sense, then everything starts to fall up underneath this idea of it's so complex that we can't reduce it down to just one thing or the other. All this stuff had to come together in order for things to be working the way it does. So you could argue that every animal, everything that we see has some form of irreducible complexity to it. Um, as a basis for that this happening by random chance is really not as likely as we might think it would be for me i worked with a frog one of the coolest things that i realized for my frog was uh it was deaf and it came up with a form of sign language I mean, it's pretty impressive for a frog to be able to do that and so but yeah my research was all about um learning what the, the sign language, the waving, they, they wave at each other. Um, I was trying to figure out what the waving meant. Um, that I was able to figure that out and that the frogs had actually developed this kind of communication was ridiculously cool to me. Um, and like just, again, showed that, okay, you've got a deaf, partially deaf frog that has developed, even even if we say that he's evolved this type of, um, Communication—that's still pretty impressive for a frog. Um, and to me, that showed God's handiwork. And like, I'm so concerned about this frog. I allowed this frog to be able to develop a way to communicate, um, even as being partially deaf. So, just so you know, when they wave at each other, um, it's basically like they're they're flipping each other off. It's a—they're very—they're very angry. <laughs> uh, yes, but the best way I can describe it is that it's not a friendly gesture. It's a definitely. I do not like you get off my territory. Yeah, it's flipping somebody the bird. <laughs> the more they do it, the more angry they are. So yeah, that's what that's what I found out. <laughs> oh my gosh! You have to you have to go look it up. Um, Panamanian golden frog. You can see them hand wave at each other. Yeah, it's a little frog walking and waves.
0: That is so funny. Yeah,
2: no, it's very funny. It made my it made my um, research very relatable to the general public too because, I mean, you're talking about a frog doing some complex things, but the general public really likes to hear about frogs that are that can hand wave. <laughs> Honestly, like, the fact that it can do that is super cool. And to me, that just like reaffirms. Like, yeah. yeah, God's handiwork is in this little wee frog that's in the middle of Panama that you can't find anywhere else. <laughs> and this is what we see. So yeah, that was kind of a my poster child for cool things that makes me think that God's super cool with his uh, ability to do things
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to my dad about my conversation with Dr. Criswell and her frog. Here's what he had to say to help me wrap my mind around the argument from design
3: So I think what you're talking about from your professor, um, the argument from fine-tuning is an argument from design that looks at the macro systems of the universe, uh, either of just our world specifically and how our world supports life, or it can even go cosmic and look at the entire universe and the fact that anywhere is hospitable to life requires uh such fine tuning so things like the goldilocks zone which is the idea that a a planet can only be a certain distance from a star and that star needs to be of a certain size and that planet needs to be of exactly at that distance um and it needs to have an orbit that keeps it within that distance if it gets too close uh, it gets too hot on the planet to support life and essential things burn up. If it gets too far away, it gets too cold and everything freezes. Um, so that's one thing. And and also, like, <laughs> the existence of Jupiter keeping us in the Goldilocks zone, keeping us from getting too close or too far away, its orbit pulls us and, and keeps us there. Or things like the axis of the Earth being at, a, at just the right tilt. If it's straight up and down, you know, so that it's, it's perpendicular to the, the sun, then you get the risk of being what's called tidally locked, which is the relationship the moon is to our Earth. So the moon is tidally locked to us, which means we're always looking at the same surface. Now, it, you know, our shadow, the shadow of the Earth goes back and forth over the moon, but it's always the same side of the moon facing the Earth. It always is the same. Um, so we never see the other side of the moon. Um, and that's because it's tidally locked to us. It shows us the same face all the time. Well, if the earth were tidally locked to the sun, uh, then you, you'd have one side of the earth that, it, that like would be a, a desert with no water on it. All the water would be on the other side of the earth and it all be frozen, you know, because one side would bake while the other freezes, um, that kind of thing is avoided by the axis being at an angle so that it, it that angle rotates around and is constantly exposing different parts of the planet to the sun. Um, so, now I'm not a uh, geometrist and I'm not sure, I'm not sure that's a word, um, but I'm not sure that I've defined that correctly, but it's things like that. Everything's gotta be set up just right in order for life to exist and there's so many different factors that are all you know they have a very narrow range you know they could be off by just a very small amount in any direction and then life doesn't exist but all of them on this planet are perfectly attuned to life and it, it begins to pile up to where you would say well and this is like really lucky or there's a mind behind it watching the dials and setting everything at just the right place. That's the the argument from fine-tuning, and it's kind of a macro life study. And that would, inc- it would also include things like weather systems or the amount of water or the amount of salt in the ocean and the amount of freshwater on the earth. I mean, all those things combined together to support life and if any of them are off just one of them the whole system falls apart and it can't support life so that is suggestive that that's very 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 coincidental or perhaps it's guided perhaps there's a mind behind it a similar argument would be the argument from um, the argument from design which is specifically a microbiological argument, um, particularly the argument from irreducible complexity. And what it does is it says, okay, there are systems in biological animals, things like blood clotting that require a cascade of chemical reactions, both to begin and to stop. And if you don't have that cascade, it has to happen in order. If you don't have that cascade of biological chemical reactions taking place, then any injury sustained by the animal is life-threatening because it'll bleed out. But if you have the one set of chemical reactions in place, but not the other, then you get blood clotting, but you can't shut the clotting factors off. So all of the blood turns solid. You've got to have both of those things or the animal dies. And what they'd say is, how do you evolve into that? How do you piecemeal that? You either have all of them or you have no reason to have any of them. You know, there's no reason to have any of these chemical reactions if you're missing these. So you either get all of them together or none of them at all, and there are also mechanical things that are like that. Uh, There's a certain kind of bacteria that has a little whip-like structure on one side called the flagellum. If you look at that thing under a microscope, it looks like a car engine or a jet engine. I mean, it looks like something very intricately built. It's actually kind of beautiful. But why would you have any of those proteins if you don't have that whole mechanism? Why would any creature keep them in order to evolve into this very complex piece of machinery? You've either got all of it, or you don't need any of it. It's like if you take the spark plugs out of your car. That's not a car anymore. That's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a model of a car, life-size. But without the spark plugs, there's no reason to have that thing. So you either have the entire engine, or you have no reason to have any of that thing. Well, these microbiological machines are like that. And that implies a designer. To go back to your car, if you were walking down the street and you saw a car... That was sitting in front of a house, you wouldn't say, Oh, I guess a big windstorm blew all this metal in here, and it all just landed in this lucky arrangement. Also, I guess a couple of, of cows committed suicide and ripped their own skin off and wrapped it around parts of the of the metal so that it would have a leather interior. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think like that. The moment you saw a complex device you would say, there's a mind behind that. There has to be. Well, both fine-tuning and irreducible complexity are arguments from design that look at the universe and say, this place is too complicated to have just happened. It, it, makes, it takes more credulity to believe that the universe just happened. And it just happened to fall out so everything is fine-tuned. Or it just happened so that these complex pieces of machinery constructed themselves. To my mind, that takes more faith than it does to say, there's a mind behind that. There has to be a God. I mean, look at that complicated thing. That has
2: to have come from God. God.
0: so many things on the micro and macro scale that could not exist without all of their parts. There must have been something behind the creation of this complex world. It is reasonable to believe in a designer. It is reasonable to believe in God. Thank you for listening to Reasonable Faith, a beginner's exploration of classical apologetics. If you found this podcast helpful, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a five-star review. See you next time.